Hey guys, Kyler back with Kyler Burrell's Unedited Podcast. This is episode 28. Today, only going to be discussing NBA, boxing, MMA, and soccer. That's all we're going to get into today. We'll start off NBA. Headlines and discussions. Three potential trades for Simmons and my first, my my 2020 NBA mock draft 1.0 after knowing the exact order. Then we'll get into a little what's next for MMA fighters. PFL 2021 predictions for tomorrow. Bellator 261 predictions that happen tomorrow, and then UFC Fight Night, Gane versus Volkov, that happens uh, Saturday. Not the, not the greatest of cards all around, to be honest. Um, you know, the main event for the UFC is pretty big, I guess, because you could you could argue you know maybe the winner fights Stipe, or it will be next in line after Lewis. Then we'll get into some soccer headline discussions. We'll get into my Euro 2020 knockout stage predictions. I'll go through round of 16 because the bracket's set. Who I think, and then who I think won the quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. And then, uh, you know, some people have been asking for my, you know, just you know, newer to soccer. So I'm going to give my input on who are my current top five best football players in each position. Goalkeepers, center backs, right backs, left backs, left backs, center defensive midfielders, center midfielders, center attacking midfielders, left wing right wing and striker on who I think is the best in the world currently. We'll get into the NBA. We'll talk Eastern Conference Finals. Last night was game one. Hawks steal game one in Milwaukee. Um, not going to lie, I was a bit surprised. Uh, I, I Before the series, I picked Bucks in five. I picked Suns in six. I actually now think the Hawks-Bucks series is going to go longer than the Suns-Clippers because Chris Paul's back for the Suns. They're already up 2-0. Um... No Kawhi. It's probably no Kawhi for the rest of the series and maybe even the rest of the playoffs if they were able to move on. We'll get into the, you know, we'll talk about the teams that lost in the conference uh, conference semifinals, Philly, Brooklyn, Jazz, Nuggets. And like I said, we'll get into three potential trades for the summer. So let's talk Hawks, Bucks, game one. Um, you know, I think you saw, I saw Kendrick Perkins say the Bucks kind of came out with an entitlement that you know, they already played the conference finals, that they're going to run through the Hawks. And I think I agree with him. I think they did. Um, uh, I think the Hawks came out, though, and showed this is going to be a series. Like, uh, if you're going to win it, you're, you're going to have to be, you're going to have to beat us. Uh, we're not going to roll over for you. So, Trey Young comes up 48 points, 50% shooting. You know, I they don't, you know, Drew Holiday definitely did really well on him, but they were able to get the pick and rolls to get Trey Young his matchups. And he was able to do work. Um, I'm not going to say the Hawks are going to win the series. I do think it'll go longer than five. I don't see the Bucks winning four straight. I could see a seven-game series, to be honest. I'm still going to say I think the the Bucks are going to win this series and get to the NBA Finals. Um, people are asking who. I think the Suns are the best team left, you know. I do. I think the Suns, uh, they should win the NBA title. I think they're the best team left. Um, but I do think it's open for anybody to win. Even the Clippers. Uh, I still think if the Clippers come back and win the series, they could win the finals. I think the Hawks could win it all. Uh, they have a really good team. Uh, I think Giannis could lead the Bucks to the NBA title. It's very possible. But yeah, um, I really don't know. What, I'm going to say Bucks will still win this series. I'm gonna. Say, it's going to go six or seven. I don't think the Bucks win four straight. I think my five is wrong. Just like I think I don't think the Clippers are going to win two games in the Sun series. And they're definitely not going to win. Four. I would be shocked if they win four to five. I know people are saying, well, they went four to five against the... You know, the Jazz and the Mavs. Well, first off, they they lost two games already in this series with no Chris Paul. Now Chris Paul is coming back. I do think the the uh, 
Clippers played a lot better defensively guarding Devin Booker in game two. But now CP3's back. So I don't know what that changes. Um, I think it's going to make them harder to guard. CP3 is the master of the pick and roll. They're going to put Zubac and Cousins in, their game, in the game in the pick and rolls. And I just see the Suns probably finishing this out in four, at most five. I'm still going to take the Bucks in six or seven, but the Hawks are definitely going to make this series. So then, yeah, we just got into the West Conference Finals. I think the Suns are just the better team. I think if Kawhi was there this series, I'm not going to say the Suns would lose this series if Kawhi was there. I do think it would go six or seven games also. Um, I think the Suns have a better team. Um, guys playing better, especially Jay Crowder, Mikael Bridges. Cam Johnson was big in game two. Cameron Payne was unreal. Aiton, obviously. So, I mean, you know, I still, I think the Suns will get this done in four or five. Um, so let's get into the east side of the losers of the semifinals on the eastern side. You had Sim, Simmons, the fall guy. Is that fair, and is he gone? Um, he definitely has to take some blame, but uh, I didn't think Tobias Harris played good either. And he's making $36 million a year. Uh, So, and as I've said multiple times, I think Doc Rivers is a good coach. People saying he's all-time great, though, is ridiculous. He's he's a widely overrated coach. And I've said this for years. He's a widely overrated coach. Um, He's got to take some blame. The only guy I can't put blame on is Embiid. Look what his stat line was playing on a torn meniscus. Seth Curry was big. Um, But, yeah. You you can't just put the blame on Simmons is why you lost. You're thirty. You're also your thirty six million dollar man. Tobias Harris didn't play very well. Uh, Doc Rivers is an overrated coach. I I just don't I don't think it's fair to put all the blame on Simmons. I do think he will be traded this off season. I got some three realistic trades um, that could potentially happen. You know, two I think more than the one. Uh, the uh, one is okay, involving OKC. Don't really know if OKC will jump on that or if even if you know Philly will jump on wanting to get Kimball Walker. So we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, I don't think Simmons can be just the only fall guy here. That's not how it works in the NBA. It's a team game. And like I said, Tobias Harris didn't play well, and I don't think Doc's that good of a coach. So what can the Nets do this offseason? Or what can they do? Yeah, it's like what can they do? You're, you're so – I mean, uh, well, next podcast I'll get I'll get into it. I've been trying to see. I, I think they should trade Kyrie Irving. Um People are going to say, yeah, I don't think it's realistic they do. They probably won't. I think they're going to run it back another year with this squad. Um, You'd love to somehow get rid of DeAndre Jordan. I don't think they'll be able to get rid of his contract, though, easily without attaching a pick or two to it. Um, I would trade Kyrie because I think Harden and KD as a duo is definitely enough to win an NBA title. If they traded Kyrie for two or three depth guys and then were able to... You'd also probably acquire a pick or two. I think your Harden KD duo easily can win an NBA title next year. Going in, I'd say they're the first or second best team with the Lakers. You know, so there's not much they can do. They're you know very, you know, you're paying Joe Harris seventy five million dollars over four years. So you you could try to move him. I don't know who's taking that contract, but you know, there's not really much they can do. It's basically run it back with the team you have. If you're not going to trade anybody, so you can't really sign anyone. But you could make trades. We'll see what they do. I don't think they make. I don't think they really make any moves. But next podcast we'll get into, you know, three options they could get for Kyrie. Where did the Jazz go from here? Um, this is a big topic. Um, I I told everyone who the Jazz are. 
Milwaukee took the step this year. I always said Milwaukee the last two years, a great regular season team, not a playoff team. They're taking the step this year. The next series was big for them. They've taken the step to become a legit championship contender. Utah is not, and that's because your second best player is making two hundred million dollars and he can't he can't score. Rudy Gobert is not the type of center you can throw the ball to on the post and say, go give me a bucket. Now the only thing is, what what can you get for him? That will be another that will be the next podcast as well. Um diving into what can you get for Rudy Gobert, three potential trade for Rudy Gobert as well. As you know, there's a lot of things we're gonna do the next podcast talking about trades and stuff for different type of stars. Um, but again, yeah, I just I don't think they're a playoff team. I think Mitchell is a playoff performer. He was obviously injured. That's not an excuse, obviously, as we know. Injuries are not an excuse. Um, it happens. Because in my opinion, if everybody was healthy, they would have got bounced, you know. In my opinion, they still would have got bounced. And they would be the, you know, if everyone was healthy, but I think the like fifth or sixth best team in the West. You look at the Lakers, the best. Suns, Clippers, Nuggets, and Warriors are ahead of them. So, yeah, I mean, you can't blame it on injuries for the Jazz when if everyone was healthy, I'd think you have one of the worst, you have, you know, a middle of the pack West team instead of the best West team. Like I said, maybe they still would end up as a one or two seed in the West because of the regular season, but they're a regular season team. That's just what they are. So they got to make some moves. They're aging, you know, Bogdanovich getting up there, uh, Joe Ingles, so Mike Conley. You know, Gobert can't do anything for you offensively. So we'll see. They have a, a lot of big questions. This is what happens. You're good all year. Everything's good all year for the Jazz. And then you lose that last game of the year, and everyone's like, oh, my, they got major adjustments to make because your flaws come out in the playoffs. And, yeah, maybe if they had Mike Conley for a longer period of that series, they could have been better, but they didn't. They won two games without him. So, you know, I think the Jazz have to look themselves in the mirror and see what they want to do because I think they're – they need what they need is a, another ball handler that can score like twenty twenty five a game as well, and not make Mitchell have to score forty five to win games, because Gobert can't do it obviously. Nuggets, no panic for Denver. Injuries happened. You had the MVP of the league. You're going to be fine next year. And in my opinion, I know there's a lot of Nuggets fans. You know, one of my brother's friends loves Michael Porter Jr. If you could trade him. To get a Bradley Beal or a Zach Levine, I would do it in a heartbeat. Because I've always said, if you okay, if you're the Pistons, yeah, maybe you trade for picks because you're trying to build for the future. If you're the Nuggets, you're trying to win now. I know Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. I know Michael Porter Jr. is a great player, and he could be an, a really, really great player in this league at some point. Bradley Beal already is a great player in this league. Zach Levine already is a great player in this league. That's why I would make the move to try to get one of them to pair with Jamal Murray and Jokic. And I think if the Nuggets got Bradley Beal, they're automatically a top three team. And some people are going to say they're the best team in the NBA going into next year. So, yeah, that's what I would look at. And we'll look at that. We'll look at trades for Buckboard Jr. in the next one as well. So, here we go. Three potential trades for Ben Simmons. So, the one that I think is the least like going to happen, it's just it's hard for me to find a trade that matched up with the cap and everything. So, it would be Philly receiving Kimball Walker. And Atlanta's 2022 lottery-protected first-rounder, Oklahoma City gets Ben Simmons, Gary Clark. I think that is, on a scale of 1 to 10 of that happening, I give it a 2. But there's not many trades likely. There there might be more as, you know, the offseason uh, evolves and, you know, it unfolds and everything. But right now, I give that one about a 2 or a 3. Next one that I think is the second most likely of happening will be Simmons pairing with Dame Lillard. 
Philly receives CJ McComb, Norman Powell, and a 2023 top five protected top three protected first rounder. Portland gets Ben Simmons, George Hill, and Shake Milton. So they get some you know veteran guard in Hill, a good score in Milton. They get Simmons, and then Philly gets two really good wings or a guard and a wing. I think it makes sense for both sides. I think the McCollum and uh, Lillard train is over. They're never going to win a title with them two. They got to go bold and hope Simmons develops. And if he does, they're going to look genius in this trade. I give this a f- I'm going to give this a six out of ten. Actually, I'm going to say this is actually. I'm going to say it's a, a eight out of ten, most likely of happening. Three for the first one, eight for this one. I think this one just makes so much sense for both sides. Philly gets scoring a scoring guard in McCollum, a three point shooter in Powell who can also lock down, and then Portland gets Ben Simmons, hoping that he can develop into a superstar and pair with Damian Lillard, and they also get a veteran guard in George Hill and a score, a scoring guard and a good a solid defender in Shake Milton. Now this one, the next one I say six out of six or seven out of ten. This is the one I think would be the best move for Simmons. Philly receives Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole in the fourteenth pick in this year's draft. Golden State gets Ben Simmons and Gary Clark. So Philly you get a a three and Andrew Wiggins who can defend and score. Uh, you get a good shooter in Jordan Poole who really improved this season. You also get the 14th pick in this year's draft, so you get a lottery pick. Golden State gets Ben Simmons because they're trying to win now. And I'd run Ben Simmons at the five. I'd run Simmons and Draymond down low. That defense, and they can pass and move the ball. You know, Ben Simmons running the point, Draymond running the point, Curry and Clay coming off of pick off of screens. I think it works. I think the I think the Portland one's more likely, but I like that one for Simmons the most. So now let's get into my 2021 NBA Mock Draft 1.0, okay? So with the first pick, the Detroit Pistons, I have them selecting Cade Cunningham. This is this is easy. Um, he can play the 1, 2, 3. If you need him to, when you go small, he can play the 4 as well, in my opinion. 6'8", 220. Big guy, okay? Um, Detroit can't miss with this. You need, if you're Detroit, this is your chance to get... I'm not saying he's LeBron. I'm not saying he's, you know, Durant, you know, even a LaMelo. I think he might – I think it's tough for me to say he's going to have a better career than Caden LaMelo because I think they're both just – they're both superstars. But this is a can't-miss pick, and this can change your franchise for the next 15 years. You have to draft Cade Cunningham. There's no other choice. Houston Rockets, I have them drafting center Evan Mobley out of USC – you know, Christian Wood, slide him back to the four. Mobley at five, you have a nice down low for the future, okay? And they also have other picks in this draft that we'll get to to address address other positions. Cleveland, I could see Cleveland moving off of Kevin Love this offseason. Even if they don't, I think Jonathan Kuminga is the pick. Your starting lineup next year could look like Garland, Sexton, Kuminga, Kevin Love, Jared Allen, let's say you trade Kevin Love. It could look like Garland, Sexton, Isaac Okoro, who you drafted last year, Kuminga, and Allen. Very young and bright future in Cleveland. I think Kuminga's a stud. He can play the three or the four, and if you even need him to, I think he's physical enough and athletic enough and good enough defensively where he can play the small ball five if Jared Allen's in foul trouble. they got to go Kuminga here. Um, the only thing I can see them maybe going is Suggs if they don't feel Garland's the guy. It's the only other pick they could make here. That would be like, okay, that's a bad pick. 
um, for Raptors. I have them picking Jalen Suggs, the point guard out of Gonzaga. I don't know if Kyle Lowry is going to return. Um, if he does, I think it'll only be on like a one-year deal, so Suggs can learn behind Kyle Lowry. But I see them picking Jalen Suggs here. Five, Magic. They need talent. Just get talent. Jalen Green's the next best player. Um, I know you have Fultz, but is he the long-term future? He can also play point guard. I would go Jalen Green here. Uh, you know, I like Wendell Carter at center. Jonathan Isaac played, can play the four. I like this right here. Terrence Ross, your three. Good pick here. Six, Oklahoma City. Scotty Barnes from Florida State. Somebody that can handle the ball alongside Shea, so he's not having to do everything. Okay, not having to do everything. Scotty Barnes is a point forward. He can play one through four. If not five, he's six nine with a seven four wingspan. He can play the five as well, and you can have nightmare matchups. Seven, Oklahoma, Golden State. I don't know if Golden State stays here. I think they're gonna be looking to move picks to get a superstar in there. Along with the Wiggins contract. Um I have them picking Davion Mitchell though, the point guard out of Baylor. Why? Got better as a three-point shooter. Plays unbelievable defense. Golden State to a T. Defense and shooting. And he can also get to the rim and he's fast. I just love his fit in Golden State. Eight, Orlando Magic. I have them picking point guard Sharif Cooper. I know they're not sold on Fultz and Cole Anthony. Why not get a dynamic duo like Sharif Cooper and Jalen Green to pair together now for your future? I like it a lot. Uh, Nine, Sacramento Kings. I believe they're moving on from Bagley. Even if not, he can play the five. I have them taking Kai Jones out of Texas. Freak athlete, man. He's developing at a rapid pace as well. He's, you know, he's gonna be. I think he's gonna become a pretty good, a pretty good shooter. He can also get to the cup. Great defender, long. I love this pick. Ten, New Orleans. I have them picking point guard out of Tennessee, Keon Johnson, who had the highest vertical in the draft, maybe the highest vertical in combine history, forty-eight inches running, running vertical, insane. Well, Lonzo Ball might be gone. So here's your replacement, Keon Johnson with Kira Lewis. Figure out who's going to be your guy. 11, I have the Charlotte Hornets getting Isaiah Jackson, former high school teammate of LaMelo Ball. Can also play the five. Unbelievable uh, shot blocker. Needs to put on some weight, in my opinion. That's the only thing he needs to do. Um, but they need a rim protector and an athlete down low, and that's what they get here. At 12, I have the San Antonio Spurs selecting James Booknight. Um, you know, Kelvin Johnson's your three. You got uh, DeJounte Murray as your one. Um, Murray, good, great passer, unbelievable defender. Now you get a guy next to him that can just flat out score and book night. This would be the correct pick here for San Antonio. Indiana, their starting lineup so nice. You know, I think next year Indiana is definitely going to be a playoff team, after, especially after getting Rick Carlisle. Didn't talk about that. Rick Carlisle, four years, $30 million to the Pacers. They got Brogdon, Lavert, TJ Warren, Sabonis, Miles Turner. Okay, so now we need to just get some. We need to get some uh, scoring off the bench and some, you know, some defense off the bench. Moses Moody, the shooting guard from Arkansas, is there. Can come in off the bench again. A guy that can just flat out score. It's always nice to have a guy that can come off your bench and hopefully get you fifteen to eighteen a night. Jordan Clarkson style. That's what he's going to do. But he's six 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 seven, and he's athletic. You know, I love this pick for them. Fourteen Golden State again. A guy that fits their style three and D. I think he he still needs to improve the three point shot a little more. But Franz Wagner. Great IQ player. Golden State wants smart players that can play defense and shoot it. Wagner's a high IQ player, good defender, will develop the jumper in my opinion. So there you go. They get Davion Mitchell and Franz Wagner if they stay at these picks, of course. Um, At 15, Washington Wizards. I have them uh, selecting Alperin Sengun, center uh, from Turkey. Um, 
very you know very raw talent but i think he could be a very good nba player wizards need somebody that you know they they need a big they need some size down low i think you know their bigs were not very good this year especially thomas bryant being hurt but this kid could be very good 16 oklahoma city they get uzman garuba from spain real madrid need a center in my opinion you traded brown and horford guys freak athlete stud pick here 17 uh you know the Grizzlies, I think a two-guard would be nice. You can play Brooks at the three. You've got Jaron Jackson at the four. Valanchunas at the five. You already got Slow-Mo and Kyle Anderson being your backup four. Jaden Springer out of Tennessee. Great pick here to pair next to jo- uh, John Morant going forward. 18. To me, one of the kids with the highest upsides in this class. Uh, so I have OKC. They've gotten a center. They've gotten a wing. Now they get a point guard. Jason Preston out of Ohio. 6'5". Can do it all. Shoot. Get to the cup. Mid-range game is nice, can pass, very smart defender, not the most athletic guy, but he is so smart, gets a lot of steals because of his high basketball IQ, and like I said, I think he has one of the highest upsides in this class. I mean, think of the team you have next year with, uh, you know, you got Preston, Shea, uh, Lou Dort, um, Scotty Barnes, and you know, who can they bring somebody in at center? Uh, they still have Basley and Poku. They draft Garuba. I don't think he's going to be a starter from day one, but he's a nice piece. Um, so, yeah, I like their their draft here. What I've had them draft, Barnes at the 3-4, Garuba at the 5, and then Preston at the 1. Unbelievable draft. Now here are the Knicks at 19. Corey Kispert. I think the Knicks, uh, they're a little older at small, far, uh, small forward with uh, Br- um, Burks and uh, Re- uh, who's the other guy they got? Reggie Bullock. Corey Kispert, again, I think he goes into this team. He's going to come off the bench. All he's going to do, go, hey, shoot the ball. We need you to score and shoot the ball. That's what he does at a high level. Not the best defender, not very athletic, but he can shoot it. I think it's a perfect fit for the Knicks. At 20, Atlanta has so many young pieces. I would say that right here, you know, shooting guard could be the most addressed. So I have been thinking B.J. Boston because I also think he has a ton of upside. The shooting guard at Kentucky didn't have the best collegiate season freshman year like they thought he was going to have, but... Um, I like this pick because he's a raw talent, and I think he has a ton of upside. Uh, 21, the Knicks are back on the clock. I have them picking Io DeSumo. They need a point guard. You know, you got Frank, you know, Frank Nick, uh, Frank Nicolina. Rose is a free agent. Um, so, I, you know, I like this pick of Io DeSumo who can come in. He, uh, he loves the big lights. He can come play in Madison Square Garden. At 22, the Lakers. I have them picking Jared Butler, point guard out of Baylor. 3 and D guy, can shoot the three lights out, and is a lockdown defender. That's what the Lakers need. They need 3 and D guys, and that's what Jared Butler is. At 23, I have the Houston Rockets selecting Jalen Johnson. A lot of people have him higher. I worry about his motor. I worry about how much effort he puts into the game. Um, Great talent, ton of upside, but I worry about that motor of his. But I have the Rockets taking him at 23 because, I mean, the Rockets can use about anything. So they take a power forward and a center. They're back on the clock at 24. I have them taking shooting guard out of uh, Arizona State, Josh Christopher. Again, a guy that, you know, didn't have that 20-point a game, 18, 20-point a game uh, freshman year like a lot of people thought he'd have at Arizona State. But ton of upside, freak athlete, got to be smarter. I think, you know, sometimes I think, you know, the basketball IQ needs to get better. He needs to be a smarter player, but he's raw talent, tremendous upside. That's what the Rockets need to go for right now. At 25, I have the Clippers taking Chris Duarte, point guard out of Oregon. 
in my opinion, they need a point guard or a center because I don't think, you know, you know, Rondo's getting older, Bev's getting older. They're going to the last year of their deals next year. Duarte can learn under them. Phenomenal pick here. Denver Nuggets, I have them selecting power forward out of Stanford, Zaire Williams, who I also think, you know, again, this is 1.0. As we get closer to the draft, I could see Zaire Williams creeping, or creeping closer to that lottery pick. He is a stud with a ton of upside. And if Denver were to get him at 26, that'd be just like getting uh, Michael Porter Jr. at 14. Highway robbery. Okay. 27. I got the uh, Nets selecting Greg Brown. Again, a guy I think could go higher, but I worry about his motor and his effort at times. He's a freak athlete, can be a great defender. So that's why I have Brooklyn picking him because he has a ton of upside and he's a good defender. I worry about the motor, though. 28, Philadelphia. I have them selecting point guard uh, Nishan Bones Highland from VCU. Just watch, I'm watching the draft combine right now. They're doing the scrimmages. He was unreal in game one. I think he had 17, three or four steals, good passer. Needs to work on the uh, defensive effort, but I think he's a guy who can come in and score immediately in this league, 6'5", guard, point guard. At 29, I got the Suns selecting Cam Thomas, guard from LSU. Again, Chris Paul goes down. Yeah, I like each one more, but let's develop. You could develop Cam Thomas to be another guard off your bench, a guy that can just come out and come in and score the ball, relieve Booker four or five minutes in the second half, first half even. So I like that pick. And at thirty, I have the Jazz selecting Keontae Johnson. This is the guy that collapsed to the floor. I can't. Was it because of COVID? I think it was because of COVID. For, can flat out shoot it. Good defender as well. Good basketball IQ. Fits Utah perfectly. So now we're going to get into some combat sports headlines. And we'll breeze by these pretty fast. First one, maybe not as much. Anderson Silva beats Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. via split decision. First judge gave it 77-75 to Chavez. The other two, 77-75 to Anderson. I watched it after. I didn't buy the pay-per-view. I watched it on YouTube. Um, I don't get how a single judge gave that fight to Chavez. At most, I could give him three. I gave him two. I had Anderson winning this fight. 78-74. Um, I thought Chavez won the first and the third. I thought Anderson took the last. If you want to give the second, maybe I couldn't even give him the second, though. I thought Anderson won the last five, and he won round two. It was a, it was a dominant performance. Anderson looked phenomenal. Uh, he, said he, he's, he, he said, yeah, I'm interested in the Paul brothers. I'm interested in Roy Jones Jr. There's talks of him and Roy Jones being on a... Being the co-main event of Jake Paul, Tyrone Woodley on August 28th, that would be awesome. I think Anderson murders Roy Jones Jr. I think Anderson actually knocks Roy Jones Jr. out. Chavez, even though he's a disappointment, is still 35. I think he knocks Roy Jones out, though. But that was awesome. To see Anderson back and, you know, you saw the glimpses, the head movement, hands down, telling him, come on, let's go. It was awesome to see. Happy for Anderson. Uh, but yeah, I don't get how that judge gave it to Chavez. I know it was in his hometown, but there was no way they could rob Anderson of that fight. Uh, the T-Mobile Arena is in Las Vegas. Will host Earl Spence Jr. versus Manny Pacquiao. Awesome fight. I can't wait for that. De La Hoya is, is eyeing Allegiant Stadium for his fight versus Vitor Belfort. Dude, what is up with these people getting these big stadiums that they know they can't fill out? There's no way. I think Allegiant's 70. To, you could probably do 75, 78,000. No chance in hell. They do 75,000. 
for De La Hoya Belfort. Pack that into the Mandalay Bay like 15, dude. Come on. Uh, Fury, Fury Wild, the three, had their press conference. Dude, to me, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I think uh, um, Wilder is a broken man. I think Fury has broke his spirit. Um, I think Wilder knows this is his, the worst matchup possible. Yes, he has the chance to knock him out. But again, if Fury has this, if Fury can do the same thing that he did in fight two and fight three, nothing's going to change. I just think Wilder's going to get knocked out quicker because he's going to get more reckless. Do people actually think Wilder's going to come out and just start, you know, landing a jab and throwing crisp combinations? That's not been him. That's never been him. And I'm sorry to tell you, you can't just learn that boxing style in six months. Come on, dude. Fury's going to smash him. Six-round knockout. Maybe fifth. Jake Paul obviously will face Tyron Woodley on August 28th. We'll get my prediction closer. Right now I'm leaning Jake Paul, but you never know. Woodley's still there. Still has knockout power, so we'll see. Uh, I'm excited for it, though. And then, like we said, Anderson could be the co-main event for Paul Woodley. They're thanking Roy Jones Jr. right now. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders could be considering retirement. You know, he said, I've made so much money. You know, I don't, you know, my family didn't like seeing me hurt like that. And he's never been hurt like that. So could be retirement for Billy Joe. Uh, Joshua versus Alexander Usyk is virtually done. The former cruiserweight champion, who in my opinion is the, probably the fifth Best uh, heavyweight in the world right now. Behind uh, four would be Andy Ruiz. But yeah, so I like that fight. Tough fight for Joshua. Um, I think Usyk can beat him. I'll favor Joshua for sure, though. All right, so MMA headlines. Got a bunch to ramble through here. Uh, Izzy obviously beat Costa. Or, I mean, Izzy coast to a unanimous decision win over Marvin Vittori. I thought Izzy was going to be able to finish him. Marvin, you know, just to me, not a guy, you know, he's not... He's not technical, you know, in my opinion. I just think he's a guy, he can't beat Izzy. That's just a bad matchup. And I don't really think anyone 185 can beat Izzy. Obviously, I think Whitaker has the best chance. Even Darren Till has a chance. But I think outside of those two, going to be tougher than any of the other guys to beat him. Um, Moreno stuns and dominates Figgy. That was shocking. He dominated him from the bell to the choke. Great win for Moreno. Kid's going to be a superstar. Edwards gets UD win. Uh, despite late scare from Nate, obviously Edwards dominated the fight up until the last minute when Nate dropped when Nate rocked him. Uh, Edwards won the fight. Nate won the night. That's for damn sure. Uh, Costa out of the fight with Canier. Shocking. Gaslam step in. Gaslam will step in and fight anybody. That's why this guy's so loved, and UFC loves him, and the fans love him. He'll fight anyone, anytime, anywhere. He's gonna fight Canier. A fight Gaslam could easily win, in my opinion. I think the way they match up, I think Gaslam could win this fight. I really do, and I'm, I'm tempted to pick Gaslam. Uh, Dana says Colby's still next for Usman. I would hope so. Now I see them talking about fighting Nate. Dude, he's coming off a loss. How is Usman going to say, I want to see activity and wins in his last two fights if it's Nate next, or going to be against guys that have had losses in their last fight? Unreal. Uh, Jean, uh, Korean Zombie shows his well-rounded skills, gets a decision win over Dan Egate. Zombie dominated. Thought he won four out of the five rounds, 49-46. Looked great. Showed his wrestling. Um, you know, we'll get to what's next for him. I know he loves the Max Holloway fight. We'll see, though. Uh, Rockhold says he accepted a fight with Shamaya, but Shamaya turned it down saying, I'm fighting 170. I roll my eyes at that. Don't say you're willing to fight 170, 185 against anybody. Then they give you the opponent, Rockhold, and you say no. Okay? I hope Rockhold gets her Manson. 
Nganu Lewis, too, unlikely for August, now looking to be booked in September. That fight's got to happen, right? The only reason I can see is if, if it's not negotiation between Nganu and Lewis, are they still hoping that Jones is going to fight him? That'd be the only thing I could see. If Jones fights Nganu, do you do Lewis Stipe? That'd be tremendous. Uh, Rosenshuk will take on Curtis Blades after TKO win over uh, Gusto Sakai. This is the last fight on Blades' contract. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen here. If Blades gets knocked out, UFC won't resign him. If Blades wins and it's boring, the UFC will not resign him. He needs to go out there and look phenomenal. And look phenomenal. Or he's done, in my opinion. Win or lose, he better look good. Uh, Chiesa versus Luke announced for UFC 265 on August 7th. That is a tremendous fight. I was hoping Jorge Luque, but I'm fine with this. I think Kiesa will win this fight. Obviously, I'll get more in-depth prediction as it gets closer. But it's a big fight for Kiesa and Luque. One of them is going to jump near the top five. Or right into the top five. Uh, Marlon Marais versus Marab. Uh, targeted for UFC 266 in September. Tough fight for Marlon. This is The reason why it's a tough fight, Marab just pressures you. And what have we seen Marlon not deal with? Pressure. And guys that try to break him. Uh, Holloway is out of the Yair fight, sadly. Islam versus Tiago Moisais is now the headliner for that fight night. So now we're getting to what's next. All the way back to UFC 263, we'll start with Jamal Hill, who lost to Paul Craig uh, via TKO. Technically, it was submission. broke his arm. Um, I say Devin Clark is the number one option, or Misha, uh, Misha Shurkinov. Good fights. Still good test for Hill. Fights I think he can win, but I think, I think they're still good tests. Paul Craig, I have him now ranked as my number 11th light heavyweight. A uh, guy that's probably looking for a fight, Alexander Rakic, who does not ha- has not did not have a great performance in his last win. It sounds like Yuri's going to wait for the title shot. Why not Paul Craig? Throw him in there against Rakic. Or a guy that needs a bounce back fight, now lost three in a row, Dominic Reyes. And that's a tough fight for Reyes. My number 12th ranked, Bilal Muhammad. Um, got the win over Maya. Wasn't a great performance, but... I think he'll get a big win, or I think he'll get a big fight. Number one option for me would be the loser of Gilbert Burns and Wonderboy. I think he would should jump on with the loser of that. Or the second option would be the loser of Michael Chiesa, Vicente Luque. One of those fights. The loser, you know, he'll be ranked about 12 in my rankings. The loser probably around, you know, if Wonderboy loses or Burns like six, Chiesa, Luque, no lower than nine. That's a fight above you. Go get a win against them. Nate Diaz. I do not think he should be Kamar Usman. The number one option for me is Tony Ferguson. I know Tony Ferguson is at lightweight, but uh, Ferg- you know, I, the UFC could easily just make that at, at welterweight. Ferguson Diaz, come on. Make it. You can make it a headliner of a pay-per-view, or you can make it a five-round co-main event of a pay-per-view, but that is the fight I think that needs to happen. A second option would be the loser of Dustin Connor. Um, obviously him and Connor, one-on-one, so that would be a big fight. And him and Poirier were supposed to fight, and it didn't happen. Um, so, you know, one of those three would be tremendous for Nate next, in my opinion. Uh, Leon Edwards. Uh, one, I'd say it's Kamaru Usman, if he can get that. That would be his number one option. If not, Jorge Masvidal. There's beef there. Why not go get a big win over Masvidal? He needs a... The reason why he's not going to get a title shot next is because he didn't put Nate away. You know, I thought Nate fought really well 
for how I thought the fight was, even though he lost four rounds to one, for how I thought the fight was going to go, I thought Nate was either going to get finished late or it was going to be a beating for five straight rounds. Nate did tremendous, in my opinion. Nate's stock only went up, and I honestly think Edward's stock went down. I think it really did go down, sadly. Um, so, yeah, Masvidal could be next, and if you can go out and finish Masvidal, then you're definitely in line for a title fight. Um, Davidson, Figueredo. Uh, there's been rumors of possibly a bantamweight move. The weight cut was seriously bad this time, and he, you know, I think that's what people are kind of saying that's why his performance was so lackluster. If he stays, I'd say fight the winner of number 7th ranked Alexander Pantoja and number 8 Brandon Royval, fight the winner of that. I don't think it's an immediate uh, rematch. And if he wants to move to Bantamweight, Frankie Edgar's there. I'd love to see him go up against Frankie Edgar at Bantamweight. Uh, for Brandon Moreno, uh, it sounds like uh, Askar Oskarov and Alex Perez are going to fight. Winner of that's going to get the title fight, so that's probably the next fight, the winner of that. Um, Marvin Vittori. Already called out Paulo Costa. That's a fight to make. Paulo Costa, Marvin Vittori. If not, the winner of Kanir Gaslam. Is he? Easy. He's fighting Whitaker next. No, There's no doubts he's fighting Whitaker next. Um, and then from this last card, Marlon Chito Vera got a big win over David Grant, a guy he lost to via split decision. Dominated this time, 30-26. I got Jimmy Rivera, who's ranked 14th for me, or Ricky Simone, who's on a 3-4, I think, 3 or 4-5 win streak. Dan Ige, tough loss again. You know, I was talking talking to my dad about it. I think Ige is just that guy that I don't know if he'll ever get inside the top five and be that elite guy. Um, but there's still some fun fights. Josh Emmett, who's ranked 11th for Dan Ige, or a guy that I think is looking for a big fight, uh, Giga Chikadze. Um, and I, that's a bad matchup for Ige, in my opinion. But I think it'd be it's a big fight for Chikadze. And Ige, if he wins, can steal the momentum from Chikadze, who I think is going to be one of the next title contenders at some point in the next year or two. For the Korean Zombie, big win. Uh, number one, Max Holloway on my list. I don't know if they're trying to rebook Holloway or Yair, but if Holloway's out for a while, maybe you do a Korean Zombie-Yair rematch. You know, Korean Zombie was winning that fight, three, uh, in my opinion, three or four rounds to one, three rounds to two at the worst, and then got knocked out by that spinning elbow with, you know, a second left. But I definitely think that's a fight you could run back. Especially because that division is so on hold right now. All right, let's get into my uh, quick predictions here for uh, PFL. Let me pull up the uh, odds. We're going to go off my favorite guys at Bovada. Um, Okay, so the first fight. Is uh, Dennis Goltsov, who's 26-6. and six. He's 1-0 this PFL season. Beat Mo DeReese via round one TKO. He has six points. He's taking on Brandon uh, Salas, who's 6-1, and 1-0 one, one one this PFL season. Upset Muhammad Usman, Kamar Usman's brother, be a second-round sub. He got five points. As of right now, uh, Salas is plus 220 dog, and Dennis is a minus 280 uh, favorite. I'm going Salas in this fight. He has so much heart. I think if he can just wear wear him down, I think I'm going to go third round TKO for Solace, and I like the plus two plus two twenty, uh, dog, so that's a, that's a good fight. Oh no, no, hold on. Okay, Bovada, Bovada plus two twenty minus three hundred for Dennis. Okay, then the next fight, Lance Palmer, zero and one this PFL season, lost to Bubba Jenkins via UD. He is the two time defending, uh, PFL featherweight tournament or PFL champion. So he's won the he won twenty eighteen nineteen. 
just got off to a rough start and needs a win. And he's fighting a Mov, uh, Movlid Kabailov. I think that's how you say it. He's 16-0-1, one and 0 this PFL season. Beat uh, Lazar Strogdanovich via unanimous decision. This is by far the toughest test of his career. He is actually a minus-135 favorite. Palmer, a plus-105 dog. I have Palmer via split decision. I think it's going to be a really good fight. Uh, Palmer needs at least three points bad. The co-main event, Anthony Pettis, 24-11, 0-1 this PFL season. Lost to Clay Collard via UD. Got beat up pretty bad in that fight. Um, fighting uh, Raush uh, Monfino, who's one and know this PFL season, got a split decision win over Jolton Lauterbach. Um, Pettis is a minus 210 favorite. Um, Manfino plus 165 dog. I think they got it right. I think Pettis wins via round two submission. In the main event, my number four women's pound for pound fighter, my number two featherweight, Kayla Harrison, 9 and 0, 1 and 0 this PFL season, beat Marina Marais via round one TKO. She's the defending PFL champion. Taking on Cindy Dan Dan Doyce, who is sixteen and six, zero and one this PFL season. Lost to Caitlin Young via UD. Was on a four fight win streak before PFL debut. Uh, Kayla is a minus twenty five hundred favorite, and she and uh, Dan Doyce is a plus nine fifty uh, underdog. I'm going Harrison via round one K, uh, TKO. She's going to win the whole thing again. So now we're going to get into some Bellator. No Bovada for Bellator. All right. We'll go off bet online. Yeah, that's kind of sad, though. What's going on there? Bovada, get the get the numbers out. Okay, so to start it off, it's a lightweight bout between Miles Jury, who's nineteen and five, um, two and one in Bellator, has won his last two after losing to Benson Henderson via unanimous decision. He beat Brandon Gertz via unanimous decision in uh, Georgie Kar- uh, or Karakonin via split decision. I like Jury in this fight. I think he's a dog. He's fighting Sydney Outlaw, who's 2-1 in Bellator. Beat Roger Huerta via UD. Lost to Michael Chandler via knockout. And then beat Adam Piccolotti via split decision. Jury's a plus 120 dog. Outlaw minus 150 favorite. I'm going with... I'm going with Miles Jury via split decision. I think it'll be a really good fight, but I'm going Jury. This one's a pick em. Daniel Weichel, 40-12. He's 9-4 in Bellator. Has wins over Pat Curran. Uh, Georgie Karakanian and Emmanuel Sanchez has fought Pitbull twice, fought one, fought fit, Pitbull once to a split decision. He's taken on Keani Diggs, who's 9-0, 2-0 of Bellator with two submission wins over uh, Scotty Howe and Derek Campos. Uh, it's a pick em. I'm going Keani Diggs on this fight. I think uh, his youth, uh, I think he gets it done. He looks like he's going to be a real stud. Uh, women's flyweight bout in the co-main event. My number seventh ranked women's flyweight uh, Liz Carmouche is 15-7, 2-0 in Bellator. Beat uh, Deanna Bennett via round three submission and Vanessa Porto via UD. Um, she's taking on uh, Kana Watanabe, who's 10-0-1, 2-0 in Bellator. Beat uh, Iara Joanne via round three TKO and Alejandra Lara via split decision. I'm going Carmouche via decision, unanimous. She's minus 190, uh, Watanabe plus 160. Uh, in the main event, because Bader's fighting a light heavyweight now. It's an interim heavyweight title uh, bout. My number 13th ranked heavyweight, Timothy Johnson. 15-6, and six, riding a three-fight win streak. Beat Tyrell Fortune via round one TKO. Beat Matt Mitrione via round one TKO. And beat Czech Congo in France via split decision. He's taking on my number 15th ranked heavyweight in the world, uh, Val- uh, Valentine 
uh, Moldovsky, who's 10-1, five-fight win streak, has beat uh, Linton Vassell, Javi Allah, and Roy Nelson via UD in his last three. I think Johnson is on a roll. I like what he's been doing. I think Johnson wins via round one KO. Now we're going to get into UFC Fight Night. Gane versus Volkov this Saturday. Hmm. All right. First fight. Let's get to the odds. Okay. I got the odds. Bovada on here. Let's, re- let's refresh. Just refreshed. Okay. Bovada is on here. All right. So the first fight is a lightweight bout between Hanato and Moyakano. You know, 14-4-1, 6-4 in the UFC. Lost 3 out of 4. It's a big fight for him. Fighting uh, ja, uh, Jai Herbert, 10-2 on a 6-fight win streak. Lost UFC, or was on a 6-fight win streak before he lost his UFC debut to Francisco Trinaldo via round 3 TKO. I like this guy a lot, though. Uh, Moyakano is a minus 250 favorite. Jai Herbert plus 200 dog. I'm going Jai Herbert via round 1 KO, though. I like Jai Herbert in this fight. Welterweight bout. Nicholas Dalby, 19-3-1, second stint in the UFC, 2-0 since returning with wins over uh, Al- uh, Alex Oliveira and Daniel Rodriguez via unanimous decision. Fighting Tim Means, who's 15-9 in the UFC, has won two straight, beating Lorano Staropoli and Mike Perry via decision. Uh, I got the odds for this one? Yep. Uh, Means is a minus-130 favorite, Dalby plus-110. I'm going Means via split decision. I think this will be fight of the night. Very close fight. Uh, Andre Feely, 21-8, and 9-7 in the UFC, coming off a loss to Bryce Mitchell by decision. Taking on Daniel Pineda, who's in his second stint in the UFC, 1-1 one one since returning, beat Herbert Burns via round two TKO, and lost his uh, last fight via round two TKO to Cub Swanson. What are the odds? Yep. Feely minus 230. Pineda plus 185. I'm going Feely via unanimous decision. Co-main event. Ovin St. Preux stepping up to heavyweight. 25 and 15. 13 and 10 in the UFC. He's fought some of the best, man. Jones, Reyes, Corey Anderson, Glover, Ozdemir, Shogun, Bader. Just fought them all and beat some. Taking on Tanner Bozer, who's uh, 18, 8 and 1. 3-3 three three in the UFC on a two-fight losing streak. Uh, last fight was a split decision loss to Erie Latifi. Bad loss. Uh, Bozer's the favorite. Minus 170. Ovin St. Preux plus 140. I'm going St. Preux via round two uh, sub. In the main event, could be a title eliminator bout here. Heavyweight bout. Cyril Gane, 8-0. 5-0 in the UFC. Last two wins over JDS via round two TKO and a UD win over Rosenstruck. He's taken on Alexander Volkov, who's had a resurgence in his last two since his loss to Blades with TKO wins over Walt Harris and Overeem. Uh, Gane minus 165, Volkov plus 135. I'm going Volkov via round two TKO. I think he gets it done. Now we're getting our uh, little uh, headlines and discussions for soccer. Put the odds away. When we get to the Euros, I'll look at the odds for that. Who are the, who are the favorites going to the knockout stage? Okay, so Barca now, after you know they got Sergio Aguero, now they also get Memphis Depay. Will they be playing with Messi? We'll see. As That's the next one. Messi and Barca have yet to agree on an extension as he enters the final week of his contract. So we'll see. Messi could be uh, just a free agent and could bounce. It's crazy. Uh, Man City has offered $140 million to Harry Kane and players. A picking between, like, I think it was... John Stones, Raheem Sterling, Riyad Mahrez, I think. So we'll see what happens there with Harry Kane. Uh, PSG and Milan are in on Sergio Ramos, who obviously 
him and uh, his time in Real Madrid is over. He was very upset about it, but time to move on. It sounds like PSG and AC Milan are the two likely destinations. Uh, if Chelsea can't pull off Holland deal, Sweden star Alexander Isak could be a target. He's been tremendous in the Euros. Unbelievable he's been in the Euros. That Sweden team's been tough, man. They're a good team. They're a dark horse. Um, I like their team. Uh, Man U is also close to a Sancho deal. Uh, that'd be, I, don't, I got so many wingers, goddamn. Rashford out. <laughs> we'll see what happens there. But yeah, Sancho to Man U seems likely. All right, now we're going to get into my Euro. Actually, you know what? We're going to do my current top five best football players at each position before we do the Euro predictions. So we're starting out with goalkeepers. Um, my number one goalkeeper in the world, Jan Oblak from Atletico Madrid. My number two, Ederson from Manchester City. Three, Edouard Mendy from Chelsea. Four, Thibaut Courtois from Real Madrid. And five, Manuel Neuer from Bayern Munich. Would love some criticism on this and let me know what you guys think. Uh, center backs. Number one, Virgil van Dijk from Liverpool. Two, Ruben Diaz from Manchester City. Three, Harry Maguire from Man U. Four, Marquinhos from PSG. And five, Rafael Varane from Real Madrid. Right backs. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold at one from Liverpool. At two, João Cancelo from Manchester City. Three, uh, Kieran Trippier from Atletico Madrid. Four, Reese James from Chelsea. And five, Hakimi from Inter Milan. Now probably... Where is he going? Can't remember who got him. Somebody just got him, though. Left backs. One, Andrew Robertson from Liverpool. Two, Alfonso Davies from Bayern Munich. Three, Luke Shaw from Man U. Four, uh, Kieran Tierney from Arsenal. And five, Furlan Mendy from Real Madrid. Center defensive mids. One, N'Golo Conte from Chelsea. Two, Joshua Kimmich from Bayern. Three, Fabinho from Liverpool. Four, Casemiro from Real Madrid. And five, Jordan Henderson from Liverpool. Central midfielders. One, Kevin De Bruyne from Man City, obviously. Two, Tony Cruz from Real Madrid. Three, Leon Goretzka from Bayern Munich. Four, Frankie de Jong from FC Barcelona. And five, Paul Pogba from Man U. Central attacking midfielders. One, Bruno Fernandes from Man U. Two, Phil Foden from Man City. Three, Thomas Mueller from Bayern Munich. Four, Marco Royce from Dortmund. And five, Kai Havertz from Chelsea. Left wingers. One, Neymar from PSG. Two, Sadio Mane from Liverpool. Three, Jack Grealish from Aston Villa. Four, Raheem Sterling from Man City. Five, Christian Pulisic from Chelsea. Right wingers. One, Lionel Messi from Barcelona. Two, Mo Salah from Liverpool. Three, uh, Riyad Mahrez from Man City. Four, Hakim Ziyech from Chelsea. And five, Angel Di Maria from PSG. Strikers. One, Cristiano Ronaldo. Two, Robert Lewandowski. Three, Harry Kane. Four, Mbappe. And five, Erling Holland. Would love the criticism. See what you guys think of my list. Again, new to soccer, that's just what I think currently are the best players. All right, here we go. Euro 2020. Knockout stage predictions. Round of 16. I'm going matchup. So, like, who they're going to match up next, I'm going in that order. So, Wales, Denmark. Uh, you know, I think it's, 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 you know, both these teams are probably happy that they're not playing either. You know, you got Belgium playing Portugal, England playing Germany. 
Croatia playing Spain. So I'm going to go Denmark 4-2. I think they're playing so hard and so inspired for Christian Eriksen, who, you know, collapsed and had the cardiac arrest or whatever, you know, during the first game of the Heroes. I think they win at 4-2. Netherlands versus Czech Republic. I got the Netherlands 2-0. Too good defensively, in my opinion. They'll find a way to counter and get a couple goals. Um, England versus Germany. I'm going England 2-1 over Germany. I think England's back line's been playing tremendous. I think they'll hold up and only give up a goal. I think England's going to be up 2-0 through about you know, 75, 80 minutes, and I think then Germany will get a goal late, but it won't be enough time. Uh, Sweden, Ukraine. I like Sweden 3-2. Croatia, Spain. I'm going Croatia 2-1 here. I am, and I think it'll be extra time. I think that'll be a great game. Uh, France, Switzerland. I'm going France 3-1. Italy, Australia, Italy, 3-0. Belgium, Portugal, I'm going Portugal, Okay, so then we go to the quarterfinals, Denmark, Netherlands. I got the Netherlands winning 2-1. England, Sweden, England 3-1. Croatia, France, France 4-2. Italy, Portugal, Portugal 3-2. To the semifinals, England, Netherlands. I got England winning 2-1. And then I got France over Portugal 3-2. In the final, France over England 3-2. Um, I think France is the best team in the world. Now I don't think they've showed it yet how good they can be, but I think they will when it comes down to the knockout stage. Uh, rooting for Portugal won, obviously, because Ronaldo, and then, you know, obviously Van Dyke's not playing, uh, rooting for the Netherlands, but one of my good friends, big Netherlands fan, so I'm pulling for them as well. Love to see England do well, but yeah, Netherlands and Portugal are the two teams I'm pulling for the most. Sadly, don't have them in the title game. I do think France and England are the two best teams in Europe right now. So, yeah, that'll be it. Um... We'll be back Monday or Tuesday. See you guys. Thanks.